You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from Pastor Tim Brooks. Well, I want to welcome you to lesson number four. Uh, We're in 1 John. Hopefully your Bible just pops open because you have been studying along with us all this time. And so your Bible just pops open to 1 John. 1 John Let's uh, look at chapter 2, verse 18. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. Dear children, the last hour is here. You've heard that the Antichrist is coming, and already many such Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that the last hour has come. These people left our churches, but they never really belonged to us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved they did not belong with us. But you are not like that, for the Holy One has given you His Spirit, and all of you know the truth. So I'm writing to you, not because you don't know the truth, but because you know the difference between truth and lies. And who is a liar? Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ. Anyone who denies the Father and the Son is an antichrist. Anyone who denies the Son doesn't have the Father either. Anyone who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. If you do, you will remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. And in this fellowship, we enjoy the eternal life He promised us. I'm writing these things to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. But you have received the Holy Spirit, and He lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know, and what He teaches is true. It's not a lie. So just as he has taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. And now, dear children, remain in fellowship with Christ so that when he returns, you will be full of courage and not shrink back from him in shame. Since we know that Christ is righteous, we also know that all who do what is right are God's children. See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we'll be like when Christ appears. But when we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is, and all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. Everyone who sins is breaking God's law, for all sin is contrary to the law of God. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins, and there is no sin in him. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin. But anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. When the Bible was written, it it was not written with chapters and verses in it. Later on, we put chapters and numbers in there so we could study, and it would be easy for me instead of count down 27 paragraphs, and that's where I'm going to start. 
it's, it's a lot easier for us to identify what line or what section or what we're studying with the chapter and the verses marked. But they weren't a part of the original writing. In our study, as we're studying, if you'll notice, sometimes we only cover three verses. And then other times we cover a whole chapter and a half. Well, in a study like this, what we do is try to get topics or what is the author, what's John teaching us, and we try to get a section that is a whole thought or a whole concept. So sometimes that's one verse and we'll talk the whole night on one verse. Then the next the next lesson we may do a whole chapter because we're not looking at the number of verses per session. We're looking at a section of scripture that covers a thought. So that's why we're looking at in this fourth lesson, uh, 218 through 310. As we look at this section, much of the philosophy of today is, is centers around it really doesn't make any difference what you believe just as long as you are sincere. And sincerity is the mark of what is really true. This is, this is being taught. This is taught in, in college, in classrooms. This is taught in philosophy classes in, in high school. Be sincere. Be true to yourself. Choose your own path for right and wrong for yourself. But you need to live in sincerity in what you feel is right in your heart. So we've got to ask ourselves, is sincerity the magic ingredient that makes something true, or right, or okay. Just be serious. Well, that's what, we're, that's what we're taught today. You be sincere in your own heart, and if it's good for you, if it's okay for you, if it's right for you, then everybody else will just have to be okay with it as long as you are sincere. Now, now think about this ideology. You think about today's worldview. Much of our ideology today, today sounds great in a college classroom. Much of our ideology sounds great in an argument with your friends. Well, I'm sincere. Who are you to tell me I'm wrong? Are you judging me? Are you telling me I'm wrong? I'm sincere in my heart. I'm being true to myself. Well, that sounds good in an argument with your friends. It sounds great in a classroom of philosophy. But let me ask you, a nurse gives wrong medicine to a patient sincerely. There's an absolute right and wrong. Regardless of how sincere you are in your heart, you can be sincerely wrong. And we're going to have to understand this. Regardless of your idea, you can be sincerely wrong. A man hears a noise at night downstairs. He gets his gun out from under his pillow. He slips down in the dark, and he rounds the corner, and he shoots the burglar that's about to rob his home and do harm to his family. Except his daughter had gotten up hungry in the night. And now she's a victim of her father's sincerity. I don't know how we get the... This sounds good in a college classroom, but out in real life, there is some rights and there's some wrongs And you can be sincerely wrong in all of your sincere efforts. I want you to know it takes more than sincerity to make something true. 
it does make a difference what you believe, and it makes a difference what you do. It makes a difference. Faith and sincerity in a lie will always cause serious consequences in your life. Now, let's get us back up to date. So far in our study, in chapter 1, verse 1, through chapter 2, verse 6, we've seen the conflict in life between light and dark. Then in chapter 2, verse 7, through chapter 17, we see the conflict between love and hate. In this section, John warns us of a third conflict, and that is the conflict between truth and error. It's where we are today. There is a right and there's a wrong. There's righteous acts and there's acts that are sinful. And and we've got to understand this. It's not enough for a believer to walk in light. It's not enough for a believer to walk in love. A believer must also walk in truth. And you're going to have to understand the truth. And you have to walk in truth or you will suffer the consequences in your life of being sincerely wrong. Now, a real lesson in this section is simply truth or consequences. Being true, doing what's right, or suffering the consequences. Now, before John is going to explain the tragic consequences of turning from the truth, he's going to show us the seriousness of this in two terms that he uses. Verse 18, you can look at this. The last hour and the term the Antichrist. Now, we got to know what we believe, and we got to know why we believe it. John is the only author in the Bible to use the term Antichrist. And he uses it to describe three things. Everybody's heard the word Antichrist. Everybody's familiar with that term. But it's used in three different ways as John is writing this. Number one, when he says Antichrist, there is a spirit in the world that opposes and denies Christ. It's just a spirit that's in the world. It's not just one person. It's a spirit in the world. That's the spirit of the Antichrist. When you, de- when you oppose Jesus, when you deny Jesus, that is the spirit of the Antichrist. Number two, he'll use this to refer to false teachers who embody the spirit of the Antichrist. And there's lots of them. There's countless of false teachers who are telling you, oh, Jesus isn't the Son of God. Oh, that's a lie. You can't believe the stuff in the Bible. You can't. Wait, that's the spirit of the Antichrist. Now, thirdly, the Antichrist is a person who's going to head up the final world rebellion against Christ. And so we, I think all of us have a handle on the Antichrist being a person that's going to head up the final rebellion in the last day. But it encompasses more than just a person. There's a spirit of Antichrist out here that we deal with day in and day out. The spirit of Antichrist is behind every false doctrine and every religious substitute. I found this interesting. I looked up the word anti. The word anti has a dual meaning. And this was interesting. First of all, the first meaning is against. Anti, that means I'm against it. I got that. But it's very interesting. There's another definition of the word anti, instead of. 
instead of. It's a substitute. It's a substitute. And this, and I want to talk about this for a few minutes. This is what the devil is a master of. This is what the devil is a master of in your life. God comes that you might have peace, that you might have joy. Here's a way to get peace. Snort a little of this. Smoke a little of this. See, I'm going to offer you a substitute of what God wants to bring in your life. See, I'm going to offer you a sub... and And the devil is a master at bringing substitutes in your life. And you have to watch out for a substitute. It's not the real thing. And it brings severe consequences in your life. It's not the real thing. 1 John chapter 2, 18 through 29. He gives us three marks of false teachers that are directed by the spirit of Antichrist. And that's what he's talking about. You can follow it with me. Verse 18 and 19. Number one, the first mark of a false teacher or deception is they depart from the church. Some of your translations say depart from fellowship. That's what the church is, a coming together or a fellowship of believers. The first mark is there's a departing from the church. He says, departs from us. Okay, who is the word us? That's all believers. That, that, that's the body of Christ. That's us. And when you have someone that departs from that, you better watch out. Because a person can clearly be a member of a church, but not be a part of the body of Christ. And this is what he's warning us about in this writing. One evidence of a true Christian, and I don't care what you say, you can argue with me about it, and you can continue to argue with me about it, I'm just going to turn and walk off because I've been around here too long. I've just, I've been around too long and I've seen this for too many years. One evidence of a true Christian is there is a desire to be in church. There is a desire in their heart to be in a powerful word church. Oh, do we have to go to church? Oh, do we have to? I guess, yeah, I better go down there. A true Christian wants to grow in their faith. A true Christian looks forward to Wednesday night. A true Christian looks forward to Sunday morning. They look forward to worship. They look forward to the, re- the receiving of the word that's going to make my home and my family and my marriage. It's, it's going to take my life to a new height. Oh, i got to go to church. A true Christian looks forward to it, wants to, is ready to, is receptive, and they want to be around other Christians. When you start doing wrong in your life, or if you want to, I'm telling you, when you start doing wrong, you'll start avoiding Christians. It's a real simple. When you start doing wrong in your life, you'll start avoiding being in what, what he talks about and fellowship. You'll start avoiding wanting to come to church. It's just a conviction of the Holy Spirit. You don't want to be around it. Counterfeit, and what he talks about counterfeit, counterfeit Christian does not want to remain in church. It's interesting. If you investigate the history of cults, in most cases, the founder of that cult started out in church somewhere. 
John says, with us, but not of us. With us, but went out from us. You can see it. Three marks of false teachers. Number one, they'll leave the church. Number two, they'll deny the faith. Look in verse 20 through 25. There is a denial of the faith. The foundation element of, of a Christian, the foundation element of a Christian is who is Jesus to you? Now, that, that's the foundation element. Well, some say he was a good man. Some say he was a good teacher. Well, he was a good example for us to follow. Well, he was one of many prophets. He was one of many religious leaders. Or he was God who came in the flesh. And you've got to understand who Jesus is. And a foundation element of the Christian faith is God who came in the flesh and dwelt among us. John is saying, and I like this, in verse 20, you can read verse 20 through 27, you know the truth. And because you know the truth, you should recognize a lie. And I think about this all the time. Come on. You know too much to have gotten led astray. Really, come on. You've sat under enough word. Why'd you let that guy lead you to that party? Come on. You, 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 you know too much word. Why did you let that buddy talk you into going and doing that? You, you know too much word. And that's what John is saying. You know so much, you should not be led astray. And, and I want to say this because this is the point John is making for all of us. You have to watch out. Not everyone that claims to be a Christian really is. And I find myself saying that all the time. People go, oh, Tim, he's a Christian. I'm not sure what that means anymore. Oh, Tim, he's a Christian. I think I'm going to hire him to work for me. You better ask a few more questions than, is he a Christian? Because I'm not sure what that means to them. Because being a Christian is a whole lot more than just going to church or identifying Jesus. See, to, to confess Jesus is God come in the flesh is much more than just recognizing or identifying him. And I want to, I want to remind you in, in Mark chapter 1, the demons did that. Well, I believe in Jesus. The devil does too. I mean, because you say you believe in Jesus is not really a big whoopee to me. Because I read the devil believes in Jesus. He understands who Jesus is. Well, I know Jesus. The devil knows him. Has he transformed your life? Is he Lord of your life? Are you crucifying the old man? Are you crucifying the old nature and are you living led by the Spirit of Christ that dwells inside you? That's what it means to be a Christian. The word Christian, as a matter of fact, the first time people were referred to as a Christian, it meant little Christ. Are you acting like Jesus? John talks quite a bit about being led astray. Some of your translations use the word seduce. 
And back to a point I was making earlier, and I didn't come back to that. Here's what I want you to know, and many don't know this. Satan, the devil, is not an originator of anything. He has to imitate the work of God. He's got to come as an angel of light because he's not an angel of light. I've, over the years, I have been told, oh, Tim, your sermons, just they sound like power, positive thinking stuff. You know, that's devil stuff. And your sermons sound a whole lot like the devil. No, 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 no. He sounds a whole lot like me. You understand, the power of positive thinking is a message from God that the devil wants to take and use outside of the lordship of Jesus in your life. The devil didn't come up with that. Is the Word of God that teaches us to think positive. The devil didn't come up with that message or that ideology. The devil wants to take what God uses to bring life to us and pervert it and get you using that outside and out from under the Lordship of Jesus. And I hear this on a regular basis. Y'all play the devil's music down at y'all's church. Except for the devil plays our music. He don't have any music. We're not playing the devil's music. The devil takes God's music and perverts it because the devil is not an originator of music. God is the originator of music. Well, y'all, y'all use the devil's lights. I don't see where the devil created any light. I believe it was God said, let there be light. See, God is the originator. The devil wants to pervert what God has used. So you got to make sure you understand the devil is a counterfeit in every area. He doesn't come up with anything on his own. He's got to counterfeit and then seduce you and lead you astray. Throughout Scripture, and, and I don't want to take time, I, I looked up some of this up and studied some of this today as I was getting ready for this, but 2 Corinthians chapter 11 talks about counterfeit ministers. Galatians chapter 1 talks about a counterfeit gospel. Matthew chapter 7 talks about counterfeit Christians. And Romans chapter 10 talks about a counterfeit righteousness. It's amazing how much the Bible talks about counterfeits that the devil wants to take the things of God and make you counterfeit, make a cheap substitute that is not real, that has no value. The devil takes the things of God and perverts them. Here's what I want you to know. The devil has got to use God's stuff and twist it. He is not an originator. The devil is not a creator. Make sure you understand that. God created fun. The devil didn't. The devil wants to pervert it. God created peace. The devil didn't. He perverts God's peace. God created life and life abundant. God created blessings. God created joy. God... The devil wants to take that and pervert it, and it started in Genesis. It started in Genesis when he started getting Eve to question God's motives, question what God had said, and begin to put a counterfeit or a substitute. Here, eat this, and this will make you happy. This will give you what you're looking for. This, Do what God says in your life. Do what God says in your life. Matthew 13 tells us, the parables of the tares. 
You know, Jesus sows the good seed, and then Satan is the wicked one that comes and sows the tares that grow among the good seed, and he wants to choke out the good seed in life. Verse 19, false does not abide. It does not remain. It does not continue. Let me just flip over. We'll get to this in a few more lessons. But chapter 4, verse 1. Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. This is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the Spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here. The, the point that I'm making, or the point that John is making here, remain in church. Remain in church because at, they're in in church or in fellowship, in connection with one another, there is a testing of the message. And here's what I want you to know. Some, a friend, a false teacher, somebody comes in and leads you astray. There's not a testing of what they're telling you. But when you're in church week in and week out and week in and week out over a long period of time, that in and of itself is a testing ground. I'm asked all the time, well, Tim, who are you submitted to? Everybody who comes here. Because if what I'm saying is a lie and doesn't work, they won't come back. See, there is, with us gathering together, there is protection here because there is a procedure for testing. Year in and year out, over a long while, does what I or any of our pastors here, does what we preach work? What is preached from this pulpit Does it work? If you hear Sunday morning and Wednesday night, and Sunday morning and Wednesday night, over a number of years in your life, will life work better for you? How many have been here a long time can say amen? Will your marriage be better? Will your home be better? Will your children be better? Will your finances be better? what, What John is saying is there is a testing of what is true. In church, it's, it's real easy. Truth bears fruit. A lie doesn't. A lie seems right for a little while. A lie might lure you or convince you, but if you will remain connected in church, there is protection there for you. When you leave church, over time, year in and year out, what happens in your life? I'm just asking for an honest evaluation. Now, here's what you will be told. In your head and by others and by your friends. And and here, here, come on. Everybody's doing it. It's okay. It's the way our culture is today. It is the way life is. Tim, you just had well get modern and stop clinging to those old traditional ways. Tim, I'm telling you right now, you don't have to be in church to be a Christian. I wish I had a half a penny for every time I've been told that. 
You don't have to go to church every Sunday and every Wednesday night. You don't have to do that to be a Christian. Look, what's a little drinking? Doesn't hurt anybody. What's a few drugs makes you feel good, relaxes you, get, delivers you from a little stress and pressure? My gosh, it's Friday night. Let's go to the bar and dance a little bit. Let's have fun. We're not hurting anybody. Let's go out to the bar and dance and have a good... Over time, will that make a strong marriage or a weak marriage? Over time, will that produce great teenagers or will that produce rebellious? Over time, will... Are you hearing what I'm telling you? When you unplug from church and you drift away from church, over time, here's what's going to happen in your life. When you are in church, every Sunday and every Wednesday, every Sunday and every Wednesday, oh, you don't have to go to church every time doors open. When I'm in church, every Sunday and every Wednesday, over time, my life is better. My home is better. My mind is better. My thoughts are better. I'm just telling you, it's the way it works. And that's what John is trying to convince us. If you allow it, the spirit of Antichrist will plant seeds in your head. And, and, and I want to tell, I want to talk to you, you, you Shalom guys and, 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 and UTC guys and, and y'all that are here. The, the reason you do good while you're in this program is you're in church every time the door is open. And you're away from bad influences. Now, if you want to keep doing good, you stay in church and stay away from bad influences. But what happens is when you get out of this structure and out of this program, you don't have to go to church every time doors open. You don't have to go down to church. You don't have, God loves everybody. I'm going to hang out with these friends. It's Friday night. We're just having a little fun. And here's what will happen to you. I'm not arguing with you about this. I've been watching it for many, many years now. Here's what will happen to you. And what John is saying is, if you will remain, if you will stay connected, if you will stay apart, and when you get out of Teen Challenge, when you get out of Shalom, and you go back to your homes, if you will immediately find a word-believing, powerful church where the Spirit of God moves, and you'll be there every time the door is open, you won't go too far off. It's, it's just what John is trying to teach us. The spirit of the Antichrist wants to come in and lead you astray. And in no time, after getting cleaned up, after getting straightened up, in no time you're led astray and you're right back. And the Bible even says sometimes you're worse off than you were before you started. I've been around this a long time. And when you see somebody get out of consistency in church, they're headed for what John calls counterfeit Christianity. I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. John's calling it counterfeit Christianity. Verse 28. John turns to the return of Christ in this dialogue. And his point is, Jesus is coming again. That's all the more reason for you to stay in church. Verse 28, he's coming again. So you sure enough want to stay connected to the body of Christ. Chapter 3, verse 1 through 3, says we are to be like Him. And it reminded me of Ephesians chapter 5, imitate God in everything you do. Instead of John, and, and I find this interesting, telling us 
the evil characteristics of Satan's followers. He doesn't go into that. He doesn't go into all the characteristics of Satan's children. He gives us a clear description of God's children. And, and I've read this. I've never been a bank teller, so I don't, I, I don't, I hadn't done this myself. But I have always heard the way they train bank tellers to find counterfeit money is they never handle it. They handle real money all the time. So the more truth you put in you, the quicker you recognize a lie. The more you handle truth, the more you handle God's truth about your life, the quicker you can identify when one of your old running buddies says, Oh, come on. It's not going to hurt you. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I identify that as the spirit of the Antichrist because I have been under the spirit of God now in such a consistent basis. Absolutely. And we say this all the time. We will welcome everybody into this church. We're not keeping anybody out of this church. But you will make a change when you come here. We're not going to be okay with continual sin. When Jesus comes into your life, then there is a dramatic change that takes place, and we don't allow you to stay in a lifestyle that's going to destroy you. We're his children. And the more you grow and the more you live with your parents, the more you will think, act, and look like them. The more you are with God, the more you live with God, the more you run with God, the more you read about God, the more you fellowship with God, the more you study God, the more in your life you will begin to think like Him, talk like Him, and act like Him. Three reasons for a holy life. Chapter 3, verse 1 through 3, God the Father loves us. Chapter 3, 4 through 8, God the Son, Jesus, died to take away sin from us. And number three, verse 9 and 10, God's life, the Holy Spirit, lives inside us and a new nature is produced. I want to end with this story. A group of teenagers all said, Hey, let's all go get in our cars and let's head to this bar. As they got up, one girl said to her date, Take me home. My dad does not approve of that place. Those who heard her say that, all, oh, you're afraid your dad's going to hurt you? You're afraid your dad's going to come and hurt you if you go there? And the girl said, no, I'm afraid I may hurt my dad. No, I'm not afraid my dad's going to hurt me, but I am afraid that I may hurt my dad. See, this is true love toward a father from a child. Do we live with a desire in our heart? I don't want to hurt God. I don't want to displease God. I love God. I'm so grateful to God for all that He's done for me. The last thing that I want to do is consciously go out here and disappoint the Lord. I don't want God displeased with me. This is not a Sunday school lesson. This is a lifestyle that will produce life and life more abundant for you. Y'all stand with me. Lord, tonight we're grateful for your word of direction for us. 
as we live our life pleasing to you. Lord, I ask the power of the Holy Spirit come on each one of us and guide us from the spirit of the Antichrist that's ever present in this world that wants to lead us away from truth. Protect us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to the CMC Podcast. For more information about CMC, our different conferences, Christian school, college internship, resources, and more, go to cmchurch.com. 